0: Sisters, listen closely. Finding out he's the one can sometimes feel like traveling through a desert of uncertainty. I mean, every time you feel like you've reached an oasis, it ends up being a mirage. As your resident sister and friend, here are five common red flags that you need to steer clear away from. First up, if he's asking for your phone number straight off the bat, but not your dad's, well... That's a major red flag waving in your face. Next, if he's hitting you up with texts and calls late at night, you better believe he's not serious. And chances are, he won't respect your boundaries. Watch out for those put-downs disguised as sarcastic banters. You know, the ones that make you the butt of the joke. It's time to show him the door. And oh, If he's more interested in hearing himself talk than listening to what you have to say, girl, that's a sign you need to run in the opposite direction. And let's not forget the classic line, my ex was crazy. Yeah, right. If he's mouth-mouthing his ex left and right, chances are he's the one with the issues. And those are just the obvious red flags. Let's help you uncover what's really hiding underneath the surface with VibeCheck, the ultimate prompt card game for meaningful connections. Crafted with deep respect for Islamic traditions, VibeCheck goes beyond the surface, allowing you to discover the essence of your potential life partner's faith, character, and aspirations. With 8 thoughtfully crafted categories and 135 thought-provoking questions, ViveChick ensures a comprehensive understanding of your potential spouse, from values and ambitions to personal quirks and preferences. I mean, skip the surface level of discussions and dive straight into what truly matters. Visit our website, www.thedigitalstudy.com now and take the first step towards finding your righteous partner. Your journey to marital bliss begins here. Before we start this episode, we'd like to give a content warning. This episode contains content that speaks about suicide and abuse. Assalamu salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It is your sis, other, and friend, and you're listening to the Digital Sisterhood Podcast. In the Quran, Allah says, verily, with hardship comes ease. But have you ever wondered when? When will the ease come? Have you ever been in such a difficult situation that you couldn't even get yourself to be hopeful of it? That the hardship was just too long and just too heavy? And when you've experienced hardships as a child, it takes everything to another level. It can almost feel like you're receiving puzzle pieces to a puzzle you have never seen before in your life. You try to solve it with the little that you know, but the things are just not adding up. Our guest this week is Nura. Nura grew up seeing her life as puzzle Pieces. Her first puzzle piece starts with her childhood in Somalia.
1: So I was born in Somalia mm. um, with a normal Somali household. I was um, a middle child and then I spent three years in Somalia and then I came um, to the land down under mm. and that was a big change. So um, Back home, I lived with my mom, my dad, my younger brother, my older sister, and my beautiful grandma. When I was born, my grandma called me Nora Nala Nafta Adun, which translates to Nora Nala. My Aww. name, Nafta, meaning soul, and Adun of the world. So Aww. I think that's where my main character syndrome started. I was like, <laughs> whoa, the whole world revolves around me. That's fantastic. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: and then we had to leave and come over here just for better opportunities. You know how it goes. Um, my mother wanted a better life for us and a, um, a chance for us to get education and just have the things that she didn't have growing up. Mm-hmm. I would describe like the first 10 years of my life, I would describe it as like a movie. I had like the most beautiful childhood. I had the most doting mother. Um, she made us believe that we were the best even when we weren't, you know. Mm-hmm. She was the kind of mum where... Um, Like, you can come last place in cross country, and she'll be like, wow, your running is amazing. (laughs) Because, girl, how long have you been able to do that? That was fantastic. (laughs) So she was, like, super supportive. Um, My sister was, like, this little prodigy child that just knew everything, and she was, like, great at everything. And my mum did everything to support her. I was your loud, extroverted child, and I was just my mum's mini-me. Like, I followed her everywhere. Whatever she did, I did. Whatever gabasada she wore, I tried to wear, like, a matching hijab to go with it. I was just obsessed with her as a child to the point, like, when she was going somewhere, I'm like, I have to come with you. And she's like, girl, I'm going to the doctor. I'll be back, you know? And I was like, we're going to the doctor. You and me, me and you both, you know? Mm-hmm. And I remember this one time, she's like, um, she's like, I'm going to an appointment. She's like, and I was like, bet. And she's like, you can't come. You have to stay and help your sister with whatever she was doing at that time. We had like Quran that we needed to prepare for. We had like Duxi in a couple of hours. And I said, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Definitely you're leaving me behind. And then my mum leaves. <laughs> And then she thinks she's left me behind. And after I know that we're, like, at least 10 minutes away from home, I pop out of the back of the car and I was like, what's up? What's good? <laughs> you thought you were going without me? <laughs> Let's go to this appointment together, woman. It's you and I to the end. And then I just remember just being like, and when I was a kid, it didn't make sense why I was so obsessed with it. And as I grew up and everything that we've been through, I was like, wow, it just makes so much sense, you know. I was just trying to cherish as much time with her as I had before everything changed, you know? Absolutely. In the summer of 2006, the course of their happy lives changed forever.
0: Nuna's mother had a life-altering stroke that paralyzed one side of her body. But because this wasn't the first time her mother experienced a stroke, she had hoped she'd pull through.
1: But this time,
0: this time something felt different.
1: This felt real. Um, When I look back into um, my childhood and my life and the way that it's turned out, it's like... I'm one of those visual people, right? So I see everything in my head through pictures. And I see all these puzzle pieces in my life and certain pictures and memories I have of those moments. So when I look at my puzzle and when I see that puzzle start to fall apart, it would be like 2006, right? Mm -hmm. So my mum's 38 and she's just had her third stroke within that year. Wow. And then the doctors are like, that's mad. A 38-year-old woman having three strokes in a year, you know? Yeah. They're like... um, you know, from a medical point of view, that's no good, you know. Um, I'm sure they said it in a more technical term, but from when I was a child, that's what I picked up. And then I remember the first two strokes she had, she healed really fast, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Alhamdulillah, you know. I said, we're in the right deen. All these duas are working. Everything's fantastic, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's solidifying my belief in Ilahi and the system that we grew up in, you know. Mm-hmm. Every time Mum gets sick, all these people come make dua and we all make dua and she gets better. I said, I could be the poster of the child for Islam. Everything makes sense, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then um, 2006, July 2006, it was the final one. And that whole day, there was just like this foreboding feeling of like, somehow we knew things weren't going to be the same, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: She has her final stroke. It's like us at a time. Everyone's at home. We've come from school. It's a normal day. And then when she left in the ambulance, it was just this vibe like I don't think everything's ever going to be the same again, you know. Mm -hmm. And then so she went into the hospital and she was in a coma for three months. And then within those three months, you know, we do do what we know and we pray and we make dua and, you know, we just keep moving on because at the end of the day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the planner of all and he's the decider, you know. Mm -hmm. so um, I'm a child at this point I'm 10 years old and I'm trying to grasp the idea that my whole world around me is changing but a part of me is going to be a part of me is thinking this is going to be like the other two times and everything's going to be fine right at the back of my mind that's what I want to believe but something you know how when you just get that feeling in your stomach Mm -hmm. and you're like I don't know what it is I don't know how to describe it but I have a feeling so that feeling stayed around for a while Um, she was in the coma for three months and the doctors came to us and they said listen um, this is a very young person who's gone through three consecutive strokes you know and the chances of her ever being who she was is very slim so they're like as a family what do you want to do so the people who are going to make these choices are my dad so my dad's there and my sister's um, three years older than me so she's 13 at the time the doctors come to us and they're like listen uh, you guys really need to think about this. You know, you need to think about um what she's gone through, how young she is, and all the external and internal factors as well, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we're like, listen, listen, listen. Um, Until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes her soul, we're going to keep going, you know? Mm-hmm. Keep the machines on. We'll be here every day. Someone will always be here with her. Don't worry about that, you know? So... um. Throughout the, throughout the coma, she would mumble stuff, right? Because, you know, when a person's in a coma, they can still kind of... Sometimes they just mumble things, right? Mm-hmm. So um, at first when we heard she was awake, we we're like, well, maybe she's just mumbling and people think that she's awake, you know? And then we got picked up from school early because me and my brother, our schools are right opposite each other. Mm-hmm. So we got picked up early and then they're like, mum's awake. And we're like, yes, finally, you know, this has been a long run, you know? Usually she doesn't take that long,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but um, she's awake. So we went to go see her. And then she was awake, but she wasn't like how she was the other times, like as if a person who was just relearning everything again, you know? Mm -hmm. So she's awake and then her eyes, I can look into her eyes and the person that I'm seeing is not like, you know, it's not my hoya that's there. You know, I can tell that she's trying to come to terms with everything that's happened as well while she was in her coma. And then, you know, alhamdulillah, she's awake and these doctors said that she wouldn't be so... T- uh, 1.4 Muslims, none for the doctors, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And then um, <laughs> we're like, listen, those, them du'as are working. They're working. we're glad we stuck to our guns because there we go. And then so she woke up and they're like, listen, um, she's fully paralyzed at this point, no movement whatsoever. Um, And they're like the chances of her moving again are very slim and her memory being the way that it was is very slim. So they start physio and stuff and then she regains, like after a couple of weeks, she regains um, movement on her right side and then she's slowly starting to speak. What she's saying is kind of coherent. You can understand what she's saying. Um, Anybody that has a stroke, their speech is always a bit slurred Mm -hmm. and then so after a couple of weeks, they, um, they do some tests and they said everything on her right side works perfect right so the right side of her brain everything on that side works perfect and they said the left side is gone subhanallah they said they said the left side does not work the left side of her brain that that side that controls her cognitive ability um and all of that like speech is like it's damaged and it doesn't work at all and like it might twitch every once in a while but it's not going to work to its full capacity wow and then, so this is different from what we know usually, right? Usually everything just goes back to normal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because but this I, is our new norm.
0: Yeah, because I, she's had it a few times, but each time she came back from it.
1: Do you remember that, that feeling that I was talking about at the start? You know, sometimes you just know that things are going to be different and that wouldn't leave, even though, like, you know, in my heart, I wanted to be like, she's bounced back so many times. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom's a champ. She's going to bounce back again. But something in my soul knew that this time it was different, you know? Mm-hmm. So what they did is they um took her out of the main hospital and they put her in a rehabilitation center. And mm-hmm. then um you have a certain amount of time in rehabilitation before you move into aged care.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Mm-hmm. So um within those six months that she was in rehabilitation, there was such a shift in who my mum was, right? Mm-hmm. Like a part of her was giving up because she couldn't achieve what she wanted to do, you know, she just couldn't get her body to work the way that she wanted to. Her mind wasn't cooperating with um, her body. And then she's getting frustrated as well, right? Mm-hmm. But um I'm a child at this point. So a part of me is like, I just got to carry on with my normal life and leave that part to her, you know? And then I knew that life was going to be different when they said, um, once your mother comes out of rehabilitation, do you guys want a disability house? Like a house that's made for a person with a disability. Mm-hmm. I said, who are you talking about? Who's disabled? What? Wow. And they're like, um, from what it looks like, your mom is going to be a disabled person. Like, her body is not able to do what it used to do. And other, that was a heart-wrenching feeling. I like this feeling that, like, you know, it's so weird to, you know, when you're born with a disability, it's your norm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's who you are. But to see your able mother now be it's just such a weird feeling thinking this able bodied person is now going to live the rest of their life. According to these doctors, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what will happen. But according to these doctors, that she's going to live her life as a disabled person.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that was that wasn't when reality hit. Mm-hmm. Me and my siblings, we looked at each other and we're like, listen, we, um, well, me and my sister had, well, my sister had more time with my mum, but I had a good 10 solid years with her, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, uh, my sister had thirteen years with her, and then my brother had the least time with like my mum at her normal state, so we're, like whatever happens, all we have is each other and our dad, and you know, we mm-hmm. just have to carry on with life yeah um and then so they gave us a disability house, so two thousand and seven she came home, and um she came home, and then they gave us like a to lesson about how to um change her, how to put her in her commode, how to um look after the paralyzed side, what it needs what needs to be done, you know? Mm-hmm. And then my dad's like, listen, I'm the bread. When I have to work, so all of this is gonna be you it's going to be you guys. It's gonna be on you. Yeah, so and at that time, 13, how, 10. So how old are you guys 13. at that point? So my sister's thirteen, I'm ten turning eleven, and then my brother's eight. Subhanallah. Just recently turned eight. And then um you can't make the eight year old do anything, can you? No, you know? You he's can't. he's he's lucky he can play that on the youngest card. They're always let down the youngest day. <laughs> so we're like, okay, so it falls on <laughs> mm-hmm. me and my sister and we're like, listen, um, our mother gave us the most beautiful childhood. You know, my mum was the type of mum, like, Little things were so important to her. Like, my sister's such a picky eater, you know? And Ramadan, she won't eat, like, the things that we eat because she doesn't like it. And my mum would go through the extra effort of, like, making her own meals. And um, she's one of those weirdos that, (laughs) like... Sambusa has tuna in it rather than meat. Oh, no, not the tuna. Yeah, I love my sister. I love my sister, but I can't can't explain why she does that, you know? Um, The Piscatarian in her is just like, oh, the meat tastes (laughs) so fatty. So my mom would go through the effort of making her her own little sambus, and, you know, everything she did for us was out of love, right? I cannot describe the amount of love that she gave us. Like, um, every time things would get hard, We'll be like, what would mum do for us? You know? So we have to do the same for her. You know? Like the sense of, it was like, um our mother's love is what's going to help us get through this. The love that she still has for us is what's going to get us through this test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, easier said than done, right? Easier said than done. um So 2007 proved that it was going to be a lot more challenging than we thought. Um, she's she's frustrated with her disability. She doesn't understand how to use her body or control it. And then um, we still have to go to school and do, you know, because we're kids, we can't drop out of school. Mm-hmm. And life has to carry on. So the government are like, hey, listen, um, your mum needs to go into full-time care because you guys can't do this on your own. They're like, we understand that you want to take care of her. We understand that you guys want to do what's best for her, but they're like, there's no way three children can provide this and your father has to work in order to provide for you guys. So
0: how did they find out you guys, like how do they know? Did they come one day checking on your mom and they saw like
1: they, a um, the nurses were coming to check on um mom, you know, um the schools that we went to is the schools that we went to our whole life. So they can see in our demeanor and our behaviors at school, you know? We're kids that came with like fancy lunch boxes and clean clothes not that not that we were going with dirty clothes you know but you can tell that the the presence of a mother wasn't in that household you know Mm -hmm. um and then when kids go through trauma they start acting out at school right so like Mm -hmm. mother or brother's like um losing his mind not his mind but his like his behavior is all over the place because he's trying to understand what's happening with him you know Mm me um i'm an extrovert and even if the house that i live in is burning i'm gonna give you a smile i'm gonna act like everything's okay you know yeah so every day the teachers would be like, how's life? And I was like, life, that's fantastic. Don't ask me about life. Life is great. Mm-hmm. Can't complain. Um, and then I just, I guess they clicked, you know. Mm-hmm. And they're like, listen, um, this is such a big thing. And they're like, you guys are not failures. This has nothing to do with you. But this is what needs to happen for her and for you. So
0: what was that and like? What was it like Like uh, the moment like they came to you guys and they said, you can't do this? I'm sure that was difficult to hear. Because I'm sure you guys have the optimism, we can do this. We can take care oh, of her. Oh, 100%. Mother. So,
1: like was yeah, that w- um, It was, oh, i trying to find the word to describe it. I don't know how to explain it other than it felt like we failed her. You know? I say, like, damn, she took care of us for that long. We couldn't get it together to take care of her. I was like, we failed her, you know? And then um, it was a hard pill to swallow. It was such a hard pill to swallow. But at the end, we're just kids, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, yeah. Um, when one thing happens, it's supposed to lead you to another road, right?
0: Yeah, hopefully.
1: So she's in, now she's in full-time care. We visit her every day. There's not a day that we don't see her. And we came up with a compromise that every school holiday and every weekend she would come home and stay with us. Oh, that way we can focus on school five days a week, and then in the weekends we can have our mum and feel like, you know, we're a family unit. Mm-hmm. So that was a good compromise, you know?
2: Mm-hmm
1: um she got used to it we got used to it and then um we kind of made a deal that when we turn a certain age and we are legally allowed to drop out of school either me or my sister will drop out of school and then we'll get back mom full time so imagine this for a moment
0: you got three kids on the age of 16 making plans to take their mother back so they can take care of her at an age right when you're probably thinking about the latest tiktok trend or if your outfit is cool enough or if the most popular girl in school will invite you to a birthday party. But instead, the three musketeers are plotting to get their family back together. But in the meantime,
1: they get introduced to the most troubling puzzle piece yet. Home life was interesting. Um, I grew up with my dad from a distance, right? Like, I know he's my dad, um... But we had a kind of a relationship. He's the provider and then we see him when we see him. And I didn't have the relationship with him that I had with my mum, right? Mm
2: -hmm. But
1: um, from my understanding, we were a family unit, right? My parents were married. They were together. Um, I have a dad, alhamdulillah, which some people don't. So I've got to suck it up and be grateful. Like I said, I don't know too much about him. But within the first couple of years of my mum, these things keep happening that don't make sense to me. And I'm trying to build an understanding of what's going on without um, asking too many questions because I know that now I only have one parent that if I push the buttons or say the wrong thing, we could be put into um, government care, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, something's not adding up about this guy. Something is off about him. And then I was like, listen, he's just lost his wife to a disability too. So let the man grieve the way the man wants to grieve and you grieve the way that you want to grieve and we move on, right? Mm -hmm. And my understanding of the world is limited. I'm a child, you know? Mm -hmm. Everything I know, it's kind of based off what I've seen or sadly television. And there's this one character that this man is reminding me of, but I don't want to say it out loud because it sounds stupid, right?
0: Mm -hmm. But in my
1: head, I'm like, yo, what is this man doing? And then I talked to my sister and then she's like, yeah, I noticed that too. But she's like, just keep your head down, you know. Um, we just got to get through whatever we got to get through. And then one character that I keep comparing my father to was um, Barney from The Simpsons. Do you guys remember the guy from The Simpsons? Barney, did you guys watch The Simpsons? Yeah, was he the one that was at the bar all the time? he was he was a um he was a drunk guy but we're a, we're muslims we don't drink what's alcohol i don't know what alcohol is i've never seen it in my life i don't know the characteristics of a person that's drunk but something about the way that he's acting and stumbling is reminding me of Barney right and i'm like girl how stupid are you to be basing your reality off the symptoms so i just kept it to myself right and then um end of 2008 my mum has been sick for two years now um our family life is a bit different and more and more of, um in Somali, they, in Somali it's called bilwid, right, addiction.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, My dad's addiction is coming out more to the point where now um, I'm not being delusional. This is a thing that's actually happening, you know. I can't ask my mum about it and be like, hey, mom, um, is dad like this, you know, because cognitively she's not 100% either. And mm-hmm. I don't ever want to add to whatever she's dealing with, right. Mm-hmm. And there's no one to ask, so we have no immediate family here except each other. We have the people that we call family, right? And then um, the only people that I can really talk to are my sister and my brother. And then um, at some point, one plus one equals two, and we're like, okay, so this is what's happening with him. Do we approach him and talk to him about it, or do we act like it's not happening? And then I remember this one time, it was just got too far. It just went too far, and... It went from he was a functioning, I, w- I wouldn't call it alcoholic, but he was like functioning. He was still able to provide for us. And then in 2008, that all changed. It came to a point where that became who he was. So we we revert back to what we know, you know, um, we're Muslims. This doesn't happen in our deen, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's clearly haram, you know. So what can we do? And how do we approach this? So there were times where he was normal, you know. So one time we just sat down and then we, we tried to have a discussion with him. And when I tell you that discussion did not go how we planned, it did not go how we planned. So we're like, okay, this is another, another thing presented to us, you know. So we went from being this family unit with a mom and a dad, now to a disabled mother and an alcoholic father. Mm-hmm. I said, this is starting to sound like a Tyler Perry movie every <laughs> single day. SubhanAllah. Right? Now I'm waiting for the crazy com- cousin to come into the story. Something else has got to go wrong at this point, right? And with being children, um, our our understanding of the deen is limited, right? Our mum she provided for us very well. We knew the Quran. We knew how to pray and all of that, you know. Mm-hmm. But we're kids just managing each other, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we stopped going to Duxian staff and everything changed and then in 2008, like mid-2008, we, me, my brother and my sister, we had a sit-down and we said, listen, the odds are stacked um, against us. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk to our people around us and we're going to ask for advice, you know, because it's getting to the point where we can't handle it anymore, you know. It's like he's belligerent, he's violent towards us, and we didn't do nothing. We're just kids, you know. I'd literally be just sitting down and he would just go from 0 to 100 real quick. Wow. So we talk to the people around us, and they're like they're very sympathetic, right? So my immediate family don't live down under, right? Mm-hmm. And this is um early days, so this was before you can just call people on Snapchat. You needed a calling card to call people, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, my mum has sisters overseas, and I don't know my dad's family very well. So we just talk to the people around us, so people that my mum that my mum's friends with, neighbors, you know, kids that I went to Dixie with, our Quran teachers and stuff like that, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. And you've got to remember with a small community, everything is like hush, hush, right? Mm-hmm. So we're like, we can't just go to everyone. We just have to pick a couple of people, you know. So um, my mum has some um, people that are um, related to her through tribe. So we share the same tribe and stuff, you know. So I grew up calling them uncle and auntie. I don't; They're technically not, but that's how I grew up talking to them, you know. Mm-hmm. And we're like, listen, um, we don't know how to say this. But our dad is struggling with this and our mom is not here. What should we do? And this is where everything kind of paused. You know how those moments in life when something doesn't make sense and you're just stuck in like a pause? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Um, It takes a lot of guts to go to people, right, and ask for help. It takes so much guts, right? Mm -hmm. And um, like I said at the start, I'm one of those people, even when the room that I'm in is burning, I'll be like, everything's okay. Everything's fine. Everything's great. And then so we sit down with them and then we tell them and they go, listen, um, your wallet your is your wallet. No matter what they do, no matter what they're going through, your wallet are your wallet. Your parents are your parents. Sorry. Yes, your parents are your parents. And then we're like, ain't nobody said they weren't our parents. That wasn't the discussion that was had. I have a birth certificate. I know who my parents are. Um, I'm asking you, what do we do Islamically in this situation because it's not fair on us, you know? Mm-hmm. And they said, Islamically, you stick by your parents. Basically. Through the highs, through the lows. You always stick with your parents because haq yeah, be Can you translate for that? I don't know how they, would say that. They,
0: they have... Um, rights ha- bestowed ri- upon Rights is bestowed upon you. High rights.
1: High rights, right? Yeah. And they're like... um. Our deen teaches us that, you know, everybody in life, Um, what is um, Hadith and Sheed goes, who do you give your love to, your respect, and your honor to after Allah? Your mother. And the prophets? Your mother, your mother, your mother, mother and then, then your father. Your father. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you guys have stuck by your mum, like, no tomorrow, so why is it changing now when it's your dad? Wow. So they say, listen, the way that you, and, you know, they're putting it back on us. They're like, look at the way that you guys are taking care of your mum. You guys are going to go to Jannah for that, you know? They're like, look at you guys, mashallah, but why does it change when it becomes your father? And I said, because my father, my mother provided 10 years of stable love and she never did anything to us. My mum never laid a finger on me, mm-hmm. you know? My mum never um, took things out on me. My mum never blamed me for anything. Um, she was a great parent, you know? Mm-hmm. And this guy, um, at most, you know, we're, we're roommates, we're tenants, you know. Mm-hmm. It's high, buy eat together and then go our separate ways, you know. So I said you can't compare those two kinds of love. Mm-hmm. And they said take love out of the picture. Your parents is your parents. parents. Wow. How old were you at this point? At this point, I'm 11. You're 11 years old. Yeah, I'm 11 at this point. And then... Um, so we come back together, uh, me and my siblings, and then we go. How did you well, debrief? How? Yeah, you
0: guys are debriefing. So tell me about that debrief. I can imagine that was very I said, disappointing and heartbreaking. So Whose
1: dumb idea? Whose dumb idea was it to do that? That <laughs> did not work out how we wanted to, you know. Yeah. And my younger brother, his input is very limited. He's a kid, so we're trying to protect him from everything we can, you know. Hmm. So me and my sister come together, and we're like, um, we're like, what do we do, you know? We can't, we can't ask again because, you know, it took so much pride to ask that one time. And they let you down. And I don't blame them because I feel like, you know, we know that the deen is perfect. You know, nothing is wrong with the deen. The way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created us is perfect. It's people's perception of the deen and their cultural um, views that change it, right? hmm And in Somali culture, we have this big thing about ab, everything's ab, you know? hmm and they're like, um, you can't do this because there's going to be ab. At the end of the day, your wallet's your wallet, and your parent is your parent. That um, that line stuck to, to my head for a while because um, I'm like, okay, so they're using a religious thing to make their point, right? Which makes you feel guilty for questioning it because you're like, how can I question the dean, right? This is 11 year old me thinking this, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: How can I question what's in the dean if your parent is your parent, you know? And then um, so at 11 and 14, me and my sister say, listen. We know what happens to people that don't have um, immediate uh, immediate family to take them in these kind of situations, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We know that we are on the other side of the world. And um, like my, I, I love my aunties and some people might be listening and be like, where's your family and all of this, you know. Mm-hmm. But what you've got to realize is other people have their lives as well, right. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't know my aunties growing up. I don't know how to contact them. And I already got shut down by these people. So there's no way I'm going to ask for help again.
0: You know. Yeah.
1: yeah. So um, we come up with a plan to keep our heads down until my sister turns eighteen, and she can take legal custody of me and my brother. And that's like, we're t- we're talking like five. Y- you're at
0: this point. Your sister is maybe fourteen, right?
1: Yeah, fourteen. So that's 15, a long time.
0: Fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Five years. You guys are planning to keep your head down and deal with this.
1: Five years of. Just keep it to yourself. Wow. And we'll, in those five years, it got worse. Subhanallah. It got worse to the point I remember, um, see, I I do this thing in my mind. Remember the puzzles that I was talking about? So I can remember the certain years and the picture that goes with it, right? Yeah. I remember in, what, 2009?
0: Yeah.
1: It's my first year of high school, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I am I said, I put on this persona, I'm the loud, extroverted one, I am um, the class clown, I'm this person that always has good vibes, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. always has good vibes, and everybody kind of knows that my mum's disabled, Um, I wouldn't say the kids that I went to school with knew about my dad, but the community did, right, because he's no longer that person just in a house, he's like that all the time now, you know, that's just who he is, you know, and then, so I'm like, no matter who he is, I'm going to control this narrative. I'm cool as hell, you know? Ain't nobody mm. bringing me down. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so even when I'm going through these trials and tribulations, I can't talk about it, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So on the outside, at school and with my friends, um, I'm keeping up a face, you know? But at home, it's, um, it's a different story. It's a matter of um, when I come home, I am so sad, you know? Mm. and i am trying to understand the world and i am trying to be a muslim i was born a muslim but now i have to decide to be this person for myself and put my whole faith in ilahi as a child you know
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that that thinking that i have comes back to a mother's love my mum taught me from a varying age of ilahi's power right so um everything that's happening um mm-hmm. i'm trying to make sense of it and i'm I'm constantly telling myself what my mum taught us as kids, you know, that um, like I remember little things at Madrasa, you know, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests the ones that he loves, you know, everybody goes through hardships, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, I'm trying to figure out what my hardships are, so many of them are coming at the same time, you know, Mm -hmm. and then um, I remember one Ramadan I came home and then it was just too much, it was just... It was just full on, you know. It's like a holy month of Ramadan. You can relax yourself just for Ramadan, you know. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then it's such a time of celebration and family and everything should be great in that time, right? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then it just didn't make sense, everything that was happening. And I remember I came home and then I went to bed and then I just literally just slept. I think most of the day, the next day I didn't go to school, I just slept for the whole day. And then I woke up at like... 3 4 a.m.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I was like, This is too much. And like I said, I I don't want to talk to anyone about it because it's just so full on, you know. And then I was like, I'll talk to Eli, hey, you know, we'll have a conversation. Sorry, I need a tissue. Give me one
0: second. Charlie, I can have a tissue. <laughs>
1: I don't I don't want to sound like I'm crying so I'm just going to wait until I can say what I can say, yeah, I can say. Yeah. just give me a second are you no tissues here? I don't want sorry because I'm using my naqab <laughs> I'm using my naqab right now <laughs> um, I sit down and I say listen this, this isn't making sense you know and I said I don't know what to do you know I don't know what to do and um, I know that you test those that you love and I don't think I can do this test anymore you know and I don't like to admit it, but I think I was on the verge of, like, feeling suicidal at that point, you know? And then I just sat there, and I sat there. And I said, listen, I know that I can't make a deal with you, but I would love to not be on this earth anymore, but I don't want to leave behind the people that I love, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I was... I was just thinking out loud, and I was like, I would love to um, not wake up tomorrow, but for my brother, my sister, and my mum to be with me as well, and then, I was like, I can't ask Eli for group suicide, that sounds crazy, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's not a deal that you can make, I'm so extro- extroverted, even in death, I don't want to be alone, you know, so I was like, the whole team has to come with me, <laughs> Um. and then I remember just reflecting on that, and being like, listen. You're stronger than this. Mum is stronger than this, you know. And the chances of all of us dying at the same time in our sleep are very slim. You know. Um. So a couple of more years go past and things just get worse and worse, you know. And then I'm at the verge of every day is the same. Go to school, come back. Um, go visit mum, smile, 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 come home, you know. And there's three of us, you know, so we're all dealing with it differently. And even in those moments of sadness, there's still things that need to be done, you know. We still need to provide. So the house still needs to be cleaned. Um, my brother still needs to be taken care of. Somebody has to check everything. And then everything is just, you know, seeming so dark and so unpredictable, right? Right. And it's taking ages to get to that point of my sister turning 18. You can imagine. Things were really,
0: really rough at home for them. Five years is a long time to endure that type of hardship. Even though they had a plan, holding on to their happiness and hope during that time felt a lot like holding on to hot coal. Until one day, their dad invited a man over to teach him Qur'an. Except the man looked nothing like a Qur'an teacher.
1: Every day was full of sadness. Come home, One day, my father came and he said, You kids, okay, this is a man with his flaws and all, said, You guys have been slacking with your Quran since your mom got sick. Okay, so. How old
0: were you at this point?
1: This, this is. When um, you were 13,
0: this is when you were 13, or this is when you
1: were 11? Like yeah, this 11. is that 13, the age, the cusp of 13, 14. Mm hmm. And he's like, you guys need to get back on your Qur'an because my mom was very diligent about it, you know. We went to Dixie. We went to multiple Dixies. We went to Somali school. We did all the stuff, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and he's like, you guys need to get back onto it. And at this point, my distrust of people is so high, especially my distrust of men, right? And we're like, what? And he's like, um, a sheikh is coming to you guys and he's going to teach you Qur'an. I want you. I want you. Either I want you to describe what kind of chef do you think he's going to be. What do you think he's going to look I'm like?
0: I'm thinking a man in his fifties, probably wearing mm. like a kufi with the beard, greyish salt and pepper mm. beard, maybe a little bit with mm. like a, a dad stomach, you know, in a yeah. thobe, um, very soft spoken. Um, that's what I'm mm. thinking of. When I'm thinking
1: of your this Duxie guys, so I'm thinking about classic Duxie right? Yeah, I'm Alan. Allen, yeah, you know, yeah, with the kufi. And he doesn't call him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say it's just a ma'alan coming. He said, Sheikh Abdi is coming to teach you guys Quran. And I said, it was just like this feeling of, you know, when I come come home, I just want to be in my depressive state by myself, you know? Mm -hmm. And then... This man walks in, uh, I roll my eyes, being, a t- um, you know, being mm-hmm. unimpressed. I'm like, no, I could have been lying down in my bed feeling sorry for myself, you know. Mm-hmm. And this man walks in and he's tall and he's dark and he's wearing a pack- uh, backpack. What? Uh, yeah, he's wearing a black backpack. And he just, he doesn't fit the image of Sheikh Abdi, you know. And he's not too old. He's like 30, maybe 40, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, the company that my dad keeps is very suspicious. So where did he find this man? And do do you have a ticket to prove that you're a sheikh? How does this work, you know? Mm-hmm. And then he comes in and then he goes, I'm in English school at the moment. And I'm trying to learn the difference between past tense and present tense, you know? And we're like, okay. And then he's like, so you guys help me out with my English and I'll teach you guys Quran. And then your dad doesn't have to pay me. What? And we're like, we don't know what kind of income this guy has or whether he's gonna pay you or not. That's between you and him. <laughs> Ain't nobody wanna help you with English. I don't care about has and had, you know? Um and he's like, No, no, that's the deal. Um your dad agreed, you know? He said that um you guys are very smart. Remember, I said my sister's a little prodigy, you know, she's very um very intelligent girl, mashallah. Um and again, I know the difference between past and present tense after all this time living here, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the, the youngest one has nothing to contribute as usual. As um, <laughs> That, you know? And then, so we're like, okay. And then, so we think he's going to start with the Quran, you know? Mm-hmm. And then we he tells us about his homework and stuff. And he's like, enough about my homework. Let's get into the lesson, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then he's like, how long have you been a Muslim? What? Sir, what are you on about? What, <laughs> where did this man find you? And what are you on about? And he laughs. And he has this, like, real, like, he wants to laugh, but he doesn't want to laugh too much. And he laughs and he goes, staghfirullah at the end. It's like, why are you saying (laughs) staghfirullah? Because you laughed, you know? He's just super humble about it. And he's like, um, like, can I say it in English? Because he's trying to learn English, you Uh know? Mm -hmm. And he's like, how long are you Muslim? (laughs) I said, sir... That does not make sense. How long have you been a Muslim? And he's like, yes, yes, yes. Answer that question. And we're like, our, our whole lives. And he's like, mashallah. And then he does his little laugh thing, and he doesn't want to laugh at his own joke, you know. Yeah. Um. And then he's like, that's he's like, that's great, you know. As long as you have an um, as long as you're in the din because you believe it, you know. And he's like, I don't want to be teaching Quran to people who are just being forced, you know. Mm-hmm. So he's like, um, what's your favorite surah, you know? mm Hmm. I don't know. We learn it because we have to learn it. I don't know. I don't know the meaning of it, you know. But I can recite you. Um, you pick a verse, and I can recite it, you know. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, nah, 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 nah. He's like, "That's not what it's about." It's a, He's like, "When you understand the meaning of it, that's when it's powerful." Mm-hmm. And then we're like, "Okay." And then my sister. He starts off with my sister, and he's like, um, "He's like, we're gonna learn a sorta, you know." And then. Um, we slowly start learning the meaning of them, and this this is at that point where everything doesn't make sense, right? Mm-hmm. and it's slowly becoming the highlight of our day, you know Aww. um he's super funny, he's super kind, and then he's one of those people that you can distract easily by asking him a question
0: <laughs> so you guys he'll start- be half
1: <laughs> he'll be halfway through the sauna, and you'll be like, who's your favorite prophet?" And he'll be like, "Wow, pause he's like, pause." He's like, there's so many to pick from. There's so many things, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's like, it changes constantly. And then for the first time in our lives, we started learning from the deen, not just of reciting and, you know, what just are you up to? How far can you get? But taking a step back and learning about it and who the prophets are and what's Elahi's message, what's message, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember earlier, I'm trying to figure out why my puzzle pieces are not working together. And then I asked him, I said, is your parents your parent?" Is a parent always a parent? Wow. And then he's like, before your parents were parents, they had, um, what's the word that he used? He said, your soul is a amano. you know? Huh. Mm-hmm. He was like, you were given to your parents as an amano for them to raise you, you know? So a parent is the person that raises their child in Islam and treats them in the way that Ilahi would be pleased with them. Mm-hmm. I said, write that down for me. i got some people I need to talk to. (laughs) I said, write it in Somali, in English, in Arabic, please. I said, never mind about the English. I know you don't know the past and present tense. I'll do that part. You write it in Somali and Arabic. And i got some people that I need to fight with at the moment. And then I was like, no one's ever explained it that way. I said, it makes so much sense why I have the bond that I have with my mum. You know? Mm Because she treated me. Like I was in a manner like, you know, this is something delicate that needs to be loved, that needs to be respected, that needs to be cherished, you know? Mm-hmm. I said, she's she's a parent. She has haq over me, you know? Mm-hmm. This other person, this roommate, the situation ain't adding up. And then how would I explain that to people who have constantly been telling me that no matter what happens, a parent is a parent. And then my mind reverts back to... Everything is an, is an escape plan, right, for me at this point. And I was like, for some point in my life, I generally started to believe that I would be punished for not wanting this present as a parent or not being um, compliant in what was happening. I generally thought that I was going to get punished for that. Mm-hmm. I said, what you've just taught me is my escape plan out of the hell that I thought I was going to for not agreeing with these people, you know. Like I generally thought I was a bad Muslim for not wanting this person as a parent, even though what they were doing was not parenting. And then I had like this kind of like um guilt released from my shoulders, you know. I, said, mm-hmm. I shouldn't feel bad for the way that I feel because this person is not treating me as a person that was giving to them as an amano. you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I was like, can you tell me more about the rights of a child in Islam? What do they deserve? What are their rights? Because I'm constantly he- hearing about what a child should do for their parents, right? Mm-hmm. But what, what rights do I have in Islam as a child? And then there was, a dis- there was this discussion about how you have to teach your children about the deen and you have to teach them how to be good people and you have to teach them about how they um, treat others. And, you know, what we leave behind in this world to give to us, Sadaqa in this world as children. So if you leave pious children, mm-hmm. that's the best thing that you can do. Yep. You know, and I was like, nobody's explained that to us before. No one's told us that. We were always to blame. You know, everything was always, always just didn't make sense. And now things are starting to make sense. But although this is all fun and I'm enjoying learning all of this, we still have an escape plan that we're trying to do, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, but it's just so, everything's so easy with Sheikh Abdi. He seems like a great person. And my brother is obsessed with this guy. For the first time, he sees a positive role model. My brother at a young age is waking up in the middle of the night to pray. Wow. You know, this is the kind of impact that he's having, you know. This kid does not care about anyone but himself. But somehow... It's clicking for him at such a young age and he's waking up and he's praying. You can hear him praying out loud, you know. Um, I hope that my mum gets better. I hope that me and my sisters get to go to heaven together. I hope that when mom gets better, she marries Shaq Abdi. What? (laughs) What are you praying for, boy? You know, all of these things are starting to click, you know. So there's like a glimpse of happiness amongst all the sadness, you know. And it's coming from a genuine place. And anybody who knows him will tell you that he's just like, this beautiful soul, right? And he came into our lives for no reason. We have no connection with him. We have no tribal connection. I have never seen this man before. I don't know where he comes from. He has no family in our city either.
0: Some guy with a he, backpack.
1: <laughs> Some guy who, with a backpack that doesn't <laughs> know his past tense and present tense. <laughs> who, and I said, who Allah wanted, subhanahu wa ta'ala works subhanahu in miraculous Allah. ways, you know? SubhanAllah. It's like Allah sent him. It's like a lot Literally. Literally sent him. Is this a human being or an angel? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, and I, I don't know enough about the deen either to make these assumptions. But all I know is something about this guy is different. And then he teaches us with hardship comes ease. Really with hardship comes ease. You know? And I've heard that I've heard that many times, you know? Mm-hmm. But something about the way that he explains it. Remember, I'm a child, so I take it for what he says, and I don't try to comprehend the meaning of it. I just take it as a literal statement. When you have hardship, things get easy. So, like, did he
0: explain to his totality, or did he just explain, like, why was the way that he explained it different than any other time you've ever heard
1: it? When he was reading the surah, he said, and he paused. And he looked at us as if he would known us our whole lives. Something about the way that he looked at us as if he knew... That hardship was my middle name. Wow. And then I was flabbergasted, and then I was like, mm, Don't, don't, don't put all your hopes in a person, you know, because I've learned from that that it doesn't work in life, you know. So everything he's saying, I'm kind of taking it with a grain of salt and wholeheartedly, like, you know, m- my soul is like this guy. Everything he's saying makes sense, you know. Has Elah sent him to help us out? You know, has Elah sent him to be somehow that father figure that we were looking for? And the crazy thing about Shaq Abdi is he doesn't have any kids. He has no kids? He has no kids. And we're we're looking for a father figure, right? We're trying to look for a reason. Not even look for a reason, but you know, I'll refer back to you guys are going to get sick of me. That puzzle. I'm like, mm-hmm. my puzzle is missing a father figure. Yeah. And my brother is, paying, is praying that when my mom gets better, her, her and this guy get married, you know? <laughs> the little kid is scheming his own prayers. <laughs>
0: He created his own escape plan.
1: (laughs) His own escape plan. He said, these girls are not saving enough money. We need something better.
0: Shilk Abdi was a light in the darkness that filled that house. Then January comes. It's the year they've been waiting for. Nora's sister turns 18 in October. Freedom is so close, yet so far away. Just as the anticipation and the waiting began suffocating them, they get another bit of good news they were not anticipating. Their father decided he was going to go away
1: for work. He was like, I'm going to work in another city for a while. You guys take care of yourselves. Wow. But I'll send money. I said, alhamdulillah. What? (laughs) I said, that sounds like a great idea, sir. What? (laughs) For you and for us. I said, you go make that money. You don't be the provider. You go, king, do you. And then um, within that year, it proved that we could do everything on our own. You know, and it gave us time to um, plan our escape without being so secretive about it. Yeah. Before it was like team huddle team huddle on our way to mom, Da-da-da, this is what we're going to do. But um now it's just us in the house, you know, and it's proving that life is easier with him away than him here.
0: Mhm. So like did you, then... did you did you guys used to save? Like how did you guys get the money? Like how did you guys prepare? how was it how did what did it take to make the escape plan?
1: Like, what were all the moving so, parts in order to happen? So, the first thing is the plan stays between us. Mm. You tell anyone the plan, the plan is going to get foiled. And it's very hard to explain to our younger brother, you know. Mm. But um, he's like, I get it. Okay, no one needs to know. It's just between us. Um, my sister's working, and then she's saving, and then we get um, subsidy from the government as well since mom's disabled, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so we have that as well, and then majority of the money that comes into our household is controlled by our father, you know, so mm-hmm. it's just whatever we have that we're saving. My sister's working um I'm working as well under the table, you know, mm-hmm. getting whatever um whatever money I can, and we're just saving it, and then don't access, don't everything has to be chilled about it, you know, mm-hmm. and there's a couple of nights where you're like, um. You just want to leave right then and then, you know, but the plan doesn't work because no man left behind. You know, if we're not at the ages that we need to be, then we get separated into this um, system where we have no one that is biologically related to us. And all we have is each other. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, being from the land land down under really played against us, you know, like we're far away from everyone, you know. But this is the life that we were given and this is the plan that was written for us before we knew who we were. And then, so before my sister's, um, so my sister's seventeen at this point. That means we can talk to like lawyers and everything without being hush hush, you know. Mm-hmm. And then um, he comes back earlier than expected. So we're like, okay, not my sister turns eighteen in October. It's April, right? Mm-hmm. They're almost there. Um, almost there. We can see the deadline. Um, and then this big, this big thing happens, and one thing leads to another, and then somehow he he gets arrested.
0: After their father was gone, life was bliss. But unfortunately, it was cut short. Shortly after their father came home, a domestic situation occurred in which police had to intervene. In the end, their dad was handcuffed and quickly ushered into the back of the police cruiser. The police began questioning them and questioning them, asking if he had ever been abusive to them.
1: But they couldn't get themselves to tell the police anything. And then at that point, we were just so tired. And then that line of your parents is your parent keep playing in our heads as the police were talking to us, right? They're Mm -hmm. like, what happened? Nothing happened. Why was this happening? I don't know what you're talking about, sir. Nothing happened, you know? Um, They're like, clearly, um, we were called to this address because people could hear, um, you know, shouting and screaming and something's going on here. Can you please be honest about it? Um excuse me, sir, I don't know what you're on about. I don't even know who these people are. Who are you? You know, deny, Mm -hmm. deny, deny. Mm -hmm. And then um, I don't know what they had on him, whether it was us or whether something happened while he was gone. Because remember, he came back earlier than expected. Yeah. Why is he back in April? He said he was going to be gone a while, you know. Mm -hmm. And then the lawyers are like, use this to your advantage. Your sister's nearly 18. They said, do your exit plan earlier. You know, this is a sign, you know. They're like, do your exit plan earlier if he's going away in that time um do your exit plan earlier they're like just tell the cops the truth you know Mm -hmm. and then we're like we've been denying everything for so long that it sounds like even hearing it with our own ears it sounds ridiculous saying it out loud you know Mm -hmm. and then within that time he's gone the community are losing their mind how could you how could you do this to your parents you horrible people. Oh
0: my God.
1: Keep it in the keep it in the community. Keep it within us, you know. Um we'll take him away for a couple of days and he can come back. But this is not how we do things. How unislamic of you to turn against your parent. Subhanallah. And then as a child hearing that, a part of you believes it. But there's this word other that they keep saying until this day when I hear it, I get PTSD. They're like, you need to have sabr. Oh you know? My God. And I said, I remember thinking that I was like, but what about sabr for us? What about what we need, you know? And then they're like, listen, we all get challenged in ways. You just need to have sabr. And then I remember thinking the synonym for sabr isn't stupidity, you know? I ain't stupid. I can have sabr without being stupid, you know? Mm -hmm. And what you're describing for me is to deny what I'm seeing with my eyes and use sabr as that reason. To have patience, you know, does not mean to be stupid. I know what is happening. And the definition of insanity is to stay in the same situation, do nothing about it, and expect a different outcome. I said, shove your sabr where it don't shine. I am out. I've been planning this escape for a long time, you know. Mm-hmm. And then so me and my two siblings, um, we take everything that we can take in that time. And we just, we just leave where we're going. Nobody needs to know that. That's between us and the escape planners, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's one thing, there's one liability. Mum's our liability, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we go, we um, stay in a hotel for a couple of nights. We get what we need to. Um, my sister's 18 so she can sign us up for a property. I'm... Um, I'm um, fifteen at the cusp of sixteen, so I can illegally be emancipated. Nobody can be, you know, in charge of me. I can make my own choices for myself legally, you know? So um we leave um with whatever little things that we have, you know, we don't got time to pack all everything. You know, we don't have boxes and we're not labeling things can handle with care or gentle, you know. Mm-hmm. This is this is an ambush situation. We need to get out and we need to get out quickly. And we do, and then at our new house we set up, we have to set up the disability stuff for my mum, right? Because we can sleep wherever. Mm-hmm. But we have to set up all the equipment for my mum at the new house. And then this whole time we're visiting mom, mum doesn't know what's happening. She doesn't ask questions because she's she's dealing with her own things as well. And like I said, cognitively, she's not our mother anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. She's just um, dealing with whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put in front of her and she's going through that, you know, those motions herself. Mm-hmm. Um, The first night we sleep in our new apartment, no beds, no furniture, nothing. But when I tell you, that was the best feeling ever. <laughs> I slept on that floor, and I slept better than I did in those five years. <laughs> not a single mattress, not a single pillow, nothing to our name. Yeah. But I had peace. We had peace. I you know, imagine. for that first night, no book, no. Um, what's the English word for book? No, like no chaos. There's no chaos. No chaos. No one's gonna. No one's gonna hurt me. No one's gonna do nothing to me. It's just us you know Mm -hmm. no wi-fi as well do you know how how um (laughs) how much of an escape you need to do in order to be happy about not having (laughs) wi-fi You have to be
0: pretty darn happy about your situation Listen. not to care that you don't have Wi-Fi 100%. What, what are we watching? We're going to go watch the stars. It's That's like, what we're going to do. Come uh, on. Let me tell you. It's like when people are in jail. You think when a person comes out of jail, he cares about Wi-Fi? <laughs> He's going. No, if you notice don't. them, they go to the trees. They go to the mountains. They think about because they go to the most peaceful place on Earth because they've always lived imprisonment and chaos and heartbreak and so mm. when they go outside and they go to the waters they go to the mountains because they just need to feel the ground beneath them you know they just need to exactly. feel like no one owns them no one's gonna hurt them and they just need to feel like something is bigger than them and it's just quiet it's just quiet so i'm, I'm imagining when you're describing this that feeling you know what a person has finally right? escaped it's like oh my god this feeling i never wanted to end
1: And then remember, that night I woke up, I asked for a way for all of us to be together, you know, Mm -hmm. with peace. And I'm like, this is it. This is the piece of the puzzle that was missing, you know. Mm -hmm. From here, everything is going to be fantastic. Mm. What could go wrong? A bunch of miners living together. Nothing could go wrong. (laughs) This is going to go great. (laughs) No one's going to go through hormonal imbalances. No one's going to turn on each other. We are going to be kumbaya. Mm -hmm. You know? Because you got to the promised Um, land. You made it to the promised land. Exactly, right? Mm -hmm. So what could go wrong? Nothing could go wrong. Alhamdulillah. You know, God is great. Um, My prayers are being answered, not in the way that I thought, but somehow they're being answered, you know? And then people people have opinions, you know? People always have opinions. You could be the best person in the world, and people will always have opinions, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think... Me and my siblings, we carry our way, uh, we carry ourselves in a way that, where is what we're doing going to please Ilahi, and is our mother going to be proud of us? Mm-hmm. Those are the only two components that matter, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and even having that thinking at such a young age goes back to what our mum taught us from such a young age, you know. Mm-hmm. So everyone around us is like, listen, it's not too late to take back what you guys done, you know. Wow. Um, the court case is coming. Just say that you were confused because your parents are your parents. If I had a dollar for every time I heard that phrase, I would have enough money to get, out of my, get myself out of that situation quicker. I should have started like a jar every time that someone said it. They had to put a dollar in for me because I, I would imagine. have had enough. To be not sleeping on the floor, I would have had enough for a mattress by then, hundred percent. A furnished so, home, by a furnished home. Exactly, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so um, he's he's in prison. He comes out, and when he comes out, it's this. There's this discussion of, let's mend what has gone wrong. He doesn't need to be in your lives, but there has to be forgiveness. He cares about you um, this whole time. He's got his act together. Um, You know how everybody turns into a shahua there in prison because you ain't got nothing else to do, you know? They're like, this man is on his deen. Um, he's ready to apologize. He's ready to take accountability. Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay. You know, everybody wants accountability. Everybody wants to be... um apologize for whatever wrong was done to them you know it was was a naive way of thinking but it sounds good you know Mm -hmm. for the sake of for the sake of the dean as well you know forgiveness is such a big part of it and um not having ill feelings towards people right so we're like yeah bet that sounds that sounds decent we can have a sit down so we go into that sit down with um optimistic you know either way if it goes horrible you are not in charge of me i am emancipated and there's nothing that you can do there's no power that you have over me you know so I can come into that meeting, said what needs to be said, and if for the sake of ilaha we can come to a terms of forgiveness and we can live on this earth together peacefully, alhamdulillah. And if worse comes to worse, I have the law on my side. You know? Mm-hmm. So we go into that meeting, and other when I tell you I have never been more angry in my entire life, have you ever been to a point of anger where you see red? Uh, not yet. Let me tell you, let me tell you, when I say I saw red, everything, the sky's supposed to be blue, right? Not that day. No. (laughs) Nothing, nothing could bring me down from the level of anger that I was at. And it's such a scary feeling, subhanAllah. So Mm. we go into that meeting. My sister has custody of my brother. I'm emancipated. Ain't nobody going to tell us what to do. But there's a piece of the puzzle that we're forgetting. What part? Mum, who has legal custody over her? Oh my God, you're lying. Who who has legal custody of her? The person that she's married to by law. Oh my God, ugh. Why did we not think of this during the escape plan? How did this not come to our mind? Oh no, Uh, I blame the youngest one. He wasn't there to be part of the meetings. <laughs> uh, uh, how do we not think of this? Oh, no. Oh, my God. So what happened? What a
0: cliffhanger. I know. Oh, my God. I bet you want to hear the next episode. But guess what? I got another cliffhanger for you. <laughs> I got another cliffhanger for you. We will not. And I hope my TDS listeners are listening to this because this is a very important message from the team. To you guys, we will not be dropping the second part of this episode until until we have fully met our fundraising goals for two of our um, fundraisers, one being helping have a relief um, we're fundraising to sponsor 138 children, women and children, actually, um, uh, uh, to to develop skills in Madogo, Kenya. Our fundraising goals is at twenty five k we are at 20... Our, that's our fundraising goal, 25K. We will not drop the episode until we reach 25K. I know, shocker. So you know what that means, right? You're going to have to go into your group chats, fundraise. You might have to go door-to-door. You might have to ask your mom. You might have to give your $5. Um, our second project that we're also supporting is called Spot Project, a charity supporting um, children, uh, specifically orphans in Gambia, to support them in their education, things like water, health clinic, um general donations food at home you name it all of those donations inshallah is going to reach them in that way it's a 2k challenge she's already at a 1k so that one should be really easy so we have two of these campaigns one at 25k which HHR, with hhrd helping out in relief and development as well as a spot project i know this sounds crazy and impossible but we're doing this to encourage you guys that the last 10 nights this is a time to donate this is a time to give charity this is a time to be in the race the last night is a race, so take it as a friendly nudge from your sisters at the Digital Sisterhood. But like I said, we will not release part two until we've met these fundraising goals. Call us ambitious, call us crazy. But I really believe this is possible. Because anything is possible with the help of Allah. So inshallah, everybody, get in your group chats, text your friends, promote, promote, share the fundraisers as much as you can. As much as you can, and give from whatever you can. Because if you're not donating now, when are you going to? Right? If you're not going to give, when are you going to give? This is the time to do it. So, inshallah, um, I, I hope to see these fundraisers' goals met um, and before Friday, inshallah, so we can have those episodes released to you. And don't be upset with us. It is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. But I really believe we can meet those goals, inshallah. Um, until then, visit www hhrd.org forward sisterhood to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Beautiful Light Studios. Recorded at MH Studios Toronto. I'd love to give a shout out to our executive producer, Munishak Umar. Thank you for the episode. Our recording engineer, Jonathan Lilo. Our podcast intern, Nima Haroon. Our graphic designer, Sima, a.k.a. Wasima Aflada. Our project manager, Yasmeen Mahamood. And our marketing extraordinaire, Salam Abdullahi. If this podcast gave you value, we're leaving it up to you. Donate however much you feel like it gave to you. We have a big team this year who have put in so many hours to bring this show to life. If you can't give it right now, please keep us in your drawers. Thank you, and I'll see you guys next week, next Friday, in your ear, in your speaker, telling you a good story.